Morning Liberty. Studies show that if you like this current episode, you have a 98% likelihood of liking all future episodes. <laughs> so hit the subscribe button. Yeah. Subscribe to the podcast. Studies from 2019 suggest. Yeah. So far, that's what we found. Yeah. I went through some other studies today. You know, you today. just started this thing, and I'm trying to finish my, you know, my, my nutritional bar here. Eating a layer bar there? Mm-hmm. Those are pretty good. Yeah, I'm trying to be healthy. I'm trying to watch my figure for, all the, good. for all the people watching our show. <laughs> you do sound kind of fat. <laughs> Kitty, Ew, man. Oh, you got a voice <clears throat> and face for radio. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. Isn't that right? Isn't that right, Charlie? That's it. Okay. That's where you're at. Man, first off, before we get to the CBO thing, talking about the minimum wage, I'm still hearing about this freaking soccer team, man. So much. They were on Good Morning America or something like that. Not Good Morning Liberty, where you should be. They were on Good Morning America. <laughs> they should have been on Good Morning Liberty, mm-hmm. you're right. And they were saying all kinds of the same rhetoric. It's the same stuff. Same stuff. Even though, you know, we did a pretty good article and a pretty good podcast talking about the numbers in this just don't add up. They don't They don't add up at all. I saw a couple uh, screenshots from CNN last night, and one of them was showing the prize pool, the total income from from uh, for FIFA and the prize pool. So for the men's, uh, their, their uh, revenue was $6 billion for the uh, the men's World Cup. And the prize pool was four hundred million dollars for the men, mm-hmm. and then the the income for FIFA for the women's World Cup was one hundred and thirty one million dollars. So that's a little bit different. And their prize pool was thirty million dollars. You know what the story was off of that? No, the story off of that was that the women's prize pool is less than ten percent of the men's prize pool. <laughs> <laughs> Less than 10% of revenue we didn't generate. Yeah. I mean, we're only like, uh, we we only took in like 65 times more revenue than you, but um, it's wrong. It's wrong that their prize pool was smaller. So what I saw from that was that the men are, the men are getting hosed because the women, I mean, like 27% of the money that FIFA brings in is going to the women's prize pool. And for the men, it's like 7% of the money is mm-hmm. going to the men's prize pool. Literally, they, they're getting half of what they deserve, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, the, the men's prize pool needs to be something like $1.5 billion for them to even it up with the women. Shouldn't we be on like a progressive prize pool scale? We, I, I think we should be. Yeah. Well, I guess that's what we're on, actually, is mm-hmm. the progressive. We need a flat prize pool. Right. That's, that's what we need. But then I saw they were talking about the income from the U.S. soccer teams and this data, we'll see if you can find this, um, see if you can find what's wrong here. The data shows that from 2016 to 2018, the women took in $50 million and the men took in $49.9 million. Hmm. But the women are getting paid 40% as much from 2016 to 2018. Those are the, uh, the facts right there. It seems the last couple of years have been totally unfair. Yeah. So we talked about statistics on the the last podcast actually and how they can be manipulated because there's a reason they picked 2016 to 2018 Well, because what you're saying is actually true yeah that's true that is the true statement from 2016 to 2018 what happened can you tell me what happened in 2015 that was a year right what's great is since we're using uh you're we're going to be using our fiscal year schedules here 2016 would be the reportings from the women winning the World Cup in 2015. So we're counting that money. But what we're failing to count was 2014, the year that the men actually went to the World Cup, and, and were they went out 15th in the round of 16. But their income would have been astronomically more than the women's. But it's convenient to only take 2016 to 2018. Right. Because we're starting with the year that the women started taking in the most money, but not the year before that. Well, those years never happened. I guess not. Yeah. I got we're not even gonna use a four year schedule. I mean these things happen, you know, they're they're on four year increments. We could have at least like used four years. 
sorry if you graduated college or high school in 2015, but that year doesn't exist anymore. No, it's like, hey, um, it's like if you really picked it up your last year and you went, you went, uh, you're graduating, you're and and you don't get a diploma because they're like, well, you failed. And you're like, well, I don't know. From the beginning of my senior year to the end of my senior year, I got a 4.8 or I got a 3.8, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a 4.5 point scale. I don't know, but they're like, yeah, but the first three. I mean, you didn't even go to class. Like, you failed every one of them. You just got zeros every year. We're like, um, we're only pulling the most recent year. Right. I mean, that's ridiculous. Why would you take all four years? Doesn't make any sense. No, you should just, <laughs> you should judge me on the years that I want you to judge me on. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything else to say about this thing. They're obviously, well, the, the narrative is out there. The already. other thing I wanted to talk about is the, you know, the inequality of, like, the players on the team. So we talked about the men and women doing the same work, right? Playing the same game, doing the same work. They work out just as hard, whatever. What about, like, all the girls on the same team? Yeah. Are there maybe some uh, – let's not even go with what the team pays them because there's probably obviously discrepancies there. Let's just go with, like, maybe endorsements. Are there women on the team who make more in endorsements than other women on the team? And how is that fair? Because they're they're on the same team. They all work out the – the same. Yeah. They all run the same or they all goalie the same or Yeah. They all have to be at practice at the same time. I'm betting they you they work the same amount of hours. I'm betting you um that that their uh purple hair chick is uh making a little bit more money than the rest of the team. Well yeah. I bet she probably has more followers on Twitter now. Yeah, that's unfair. And that's not fair. Why no. does she get more followers? Why are we just talking about soccer? You know? What if we're gonna be comparing, I mean, why why aren't we talking about the discrepancy the uh, discrepancies in pay between soccer and and uh tennis or uh maybe uh tennis ten- tennis ten- players make way more yeah. <laughs> maybe tennis and golf you right? know i don't know what about between golf and football you know why aren't we talking about the discrepancy why just take one sport here mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really seem to make shouldn't women you know what's crazy is women golfers make pretty close to the same as men yeah it's not yeah on on the i mean it's still less but the reason why is because like a women's U.S. Open draws forty thousand people. Yeah. So, whereas like a men's U.S. Open like has fifty or sixty thousand. Yeah. Not, there's not much difference in ticket sales, and it really depends on whether or not like Tiger's playing, or right? Any of the you know the big names, right? So, I mean, and and he's when he plays probably making a lot more money than a lot of the other people. Yeah. Why does why is he worth like a billion? I don't know. And Jordan Spieth is only worth like 150 million. Why aren't the women as valuable? The women in soccer as valuable as the women who play in the WNBA? Right. You know, there's. I mean, that's not fair. That's not equality. They both work out and run. I bet they work at their craft at least 40 hours a week. I bet they do. And they deserve a a very comfortable. Living millionaire. I don't know the schedule. Salary. But the 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 women in the WNBA might actually play more games. Mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming that they do. I don't know. They don't. I don't. I don't know if they run as far, but they still run a lot too. I, they definitely don't run as yeah. far. That's that's got to be a fact. What about women's hockey? I don't know. I haven't uh, looked up on those stats in quite some time. Do what, women chess pl- players make as much as men chess players? I We need to get to the bottom of this. Who's looking at the thumb war competitions? I'm not sure because those people are working really hard. Yes. For sure, at their I craft. think, honestly, the only way to really thwart this, Nate, the only way that we can truly have utopia is we we really just need a small central committee that examines all of the sports, looks at all the numbers, and wherever there's inequality – just enforce equality. I think, and all of these companies, yeah. nobody's going to go out of business. The the NBA, WNBA, they'll all still thrive. Yeah. Somehow, you just force them to pay more. No one's going to stop playing the sport because no. now they're getting paid the same as the people right. who aren't as good as them or who aren't drawing as many people as they are. Yep. Heck, Le- I mean, LeBron James gets paid mm, the same as Levar Ball. I played, you know, I played a lot of shows in a band with a female lead singer and. We worked really hard, and there is a massive discrepancy between our pay and Taylor Swift's pay. That's just not right. I mean, really big. Right. They're both girls. And the first thing you probably go to is, well, she draws way more people. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. (laughs) 
Thank you. Whoa, so Taylor Swift sells out stadiums, huh? Okay. Football stadiums. She sells more expensive tickets and more of them, and she makes more money. She she sells like three semi-truckloads of t-shirts every night. Yeah. No, but no, I mean, little bands, you know, bands... That, that aren't as popular as her should still get paid the same amount. That's ridiculous. You know, we noticed this in, uh, I guess you would say, the more progressive people, that they don't see the same thing for artists. They don't. It's weird. It's like, so business people are bad, but yet artists that are making millions and millions or billions, it's not the same. Well, it's like in, in 2017, George Clooney made like $250 million. In he one made, year. In one year. He made 10 times what Walmart CEO made mm-hmm. in one year. And no one's throwing up their hands about that. No right. one's protesting. No one's What do you think the grunt on that set was making? I don't know. The key grips, the guys that are taping down the wires before people mm-hmm. walk by, they're making whatever their their minimum stagehand wage is. Maybe right. it's seventeen, maybe it's twenty two. It's in California, an hour. so there there might be it's yeah. probably like twenty three dollars an hour is what those people are making. But George Clooney's out there making fifty grand an hour. It might be more than that. But we, we see memes posted about how Walmart CEO is making 800 times more an hour. Yeah. What I mean, why don't people care about the artist and everyone? I mean, I'm not saying you should. Right. But apply the principle evenly. Well, consistency doesn't matter. I guess not. it's all subjective, right? Exactly. It's whatever conversation we're in right now mm-hmm. and however you feel about it at that moment. Yeah, because there's no such thing as consistency anyway. The funny part you get back from that, like say the George Clooney or the Taylor Swift kind of conversation is, well, they're the only one that can do what they do. You know, so that's that's why they get paid that much. You know, there's only one person who's George Clooney. How many you know how many CEOs yeah. do you have as friends? As if it's like <laughs> as if it's super easy to be a CEO of yeah. a company with twenty thousand locations and two million employees. Like that's just easy, yeah. I guess. That's that's well, one thing anybody can do it. That's one thing uh, my wife always brings up to me. My wife, who is also a libertarian, thank God. Yeah, that took um, a while though. Yeah, well, I mean, she was pretty. She was I'm pretty kidding. close. I'm kidding. She was pretty close. But um, she always brings up, she's like, you know, people just seem to think that being a CEO is a tough job. But, I mean, that's a really, really tough job. You don't understand the operations that go on in a company that's got all those locations and all those employees, the 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 chain of command, the making sure that the decisions are all implemented properly. And, I mean, it's impossible to even explain how much coordination has to go in and how important it is to have a very competent, smart person at the top making good decisions because, I mean, that's why some of these people will get paid millions of dollars to to be fired. Like they'll, they'll get bought out of whatever the contracts, their salaries are because if you're the CEO of Walmart and you make a bad decision, it could cost easily a billion dollars for the company. One bad decision, mm-hmm. you know, one... One wrong move, and it's a billion dollars. It might even be more than that. Like, think about Facebook and the bad decision they made. They they lost thirty billion thirty billion dollars of value overnight. And like, yeah, two like two days, they lost thirty billion dollars from w- one wrong move. Yeah. Um, and people think that this is somehow just an easy job. That it doesn't matter who the CEO is, or that the CEO doesn't deserve a really high amount. You're telling me that. You can make a decision that costs your company thirty billion dollars, and you shouldn't get that paying you twenty million is is too much. Right. That's like nothing compared to the risk at all. Well, and another thing we don't really talk about with CEO pay, it's all incentive pay. Oh like yeah. The high, I think some of the highest CEO salaries, like salaries, like actual income, is like a million dollars a year. Yeah, Walmart, which and is I McDonald's. mean, it's a good income. Yeah. But they make their 20 off all the bonuses they get for doing a really good job. If you don't do a good job, which, by the way, I worked for CHS uh, a while ago. This is about five years ago or so. And uh, all their, their publicly traded company, another healthcare company here in Nashville, publicly traded company. So you can look up all these numbers. Uh, when CHS did really well, their CEO, I think, got a bonus of like $20 million. And then one year they did really terrible. And I think his bonus was like $2 million. Yeah. So his salary or his income or not even income, his wealth, if you want to call it, because of stock options and things like that, is directly tied to the performance of the company. You'd have to ask yourself if you're going to go to work every day and take, well, maybe you want to make $15 an hour. Well, in relation, 
you actually need to take about $2 an hour guaranteed. And then if you do a good job that day, they'll pay you more. Like, no one's going to do that. But that's what a CEO is doing. Well, I know the, the dollars are higher, so you can afford to take that risk, I mm-hmm. guess. But you could go somewhere else and make more money, probably. Like, your your incentive structure is for you to do a really good job. And this is one of the other manipulated statistics that are out there. They'll talk about CEO, CEO pay and compensation. They have to throw the and compensation after the end of it. Is, uh, has just been skyrocketing. But actually, the CEO salaries are not skyrocketing at all. This, the McDonald's CEO salary is like $1.4 million a year, something like that. But the rest of it's all in bonuses and stock options. So we, We've had a CEO wage stagnation. Yeah. Actually, they're not moving at all. <laughs> right. Uh, but what's been happening is uh, these guys are getting in there, and instead of taking a guaranteed wage, they're taking one based on their performance and uh, taking stock options and the stock market. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's up 50%. The entire market, the market itself, is up 50% since the election, since 2016 election. So yeah, the CEO salaries and compensation has exploded, but that's because most of their compensation comes from their stock options. If something would have happened in the market where the crash, then actually their wages and their compensation would have not exp- not exploded at all. Do you think anybody would be talking about that? No, not at all. That I was about to bring up. What if wage, What if CEO wages were down? Bernie used to do this. He was posting about how many millions of dollars Jeff Bezos was making an hour, you know, when, when Amazon stock was running up like crazy. But then we had some big, some really big market crashes kind of last year, some flash cra- crashes is what I would call them. And within a span of like a month, I mean, Jeff Bezos lost like $30 billion in net worth. You know, how many millions of dollars? He was losing more an hour than what Bernie Sanders was posting he was making an hour. Right. But I didn't see any posts from anyone about that. Hmm. You know, no one's paying attention when their value is going down. Well, because you, yeah, nobody wants a piece of it when you're going down. No, you only want a piece of something when it's going up. Right. They want other people to hold the risk when it's going down. But if it goes up... They like it when it's up. Right. So then they you don't have to do anything. Yeah. Then you just say, hey, I want that. You know, so. this this uh, whole conversation leads, it, it nicely segues. If I would have done a better job at segueing, it nicely segues. <laughs> if you wouldn't segues. have mentioned the segue. Yes. Yeah. Into this this thing that I saw earlier today um, by some very respectable people that uh, I like very much, but there was a post and I'm just going to go with one of the comments on here. It said, people confuse being pro-business with being pro-market. I knew exactly what they were talking about. So I want to start this, Nate, by saying, I don't even know where to begin. I'm so pissed. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I think people confuse the most, it's not about being pro-business versus pro-markets. What people confuse the most is confusing tax breaks for subsidies or handouts. Now, a couple of years ago, we did a show on this, an entire show. Yeah. On, you know, I think it was the government giving, like giving, quote unquote, giving AT&T like $100 million in, in Chattanooga or something like that. That was the story that we ran on. Yeah. But there's kind of an overarching theme here that I think even liberty-minded people get confused on because we have this whole idea of fair. Like we have this whole fairness doctrine that, you know, even some people that I like that I listen to that like, oh, well, government is just supposed to be the referee in, in, in the playing field, which is true to an extent. But the problem is you have to look at what some of those rules are governing the game and ask yourself if those rules are moral to begin with. And that's kind of what we're going to get into here because – um. I'm just really tired of this corporate welfare talk, you know? I am too. And people saying, I, th- I think heavily in the liberty movement, and this is where I think you and I disagree with a lot of people in the liberty movement when it comes to this. Even Justin Amash, by the way. Yeah. I disagree with Justin Amash on this issue as much as I like what he stands for. Um, but I think if you, when we talk about being pro-business versus uh, being pro-markets, uh, really what we're saying is, is what is capitalism and free markets versus what is government cronyism. And so the discussion usually lies around what people like to call corporate welfare. 
which means that governments, in, in essence, they try to convince you that governments give corporations money and incentives to move to a certain location. For instance, in case you didn't know, Amazon was going to build a giant headquarters in New York in Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's district, and they were going to bring 25,000 jobs. And because of what AOC said and did or whatever, Amazon was like, well, this isn't the place for us. And so now half of that, 10,000 jobs are being built right here in Nashville. All, Amazon said, are going to be over six figures a year. So whoever gets to work there, congratulations, you're now in the upper middle class. (laughs) And there's going to be 10,000 of you that get that job. So that's pretty cool. And the other half is being built, uh, I don't remember. They're going uh, somewhere close to, in Virginia, like close to Washington, D.C. Yeah. Yeah. Virginia. Sweet, sweet Virginia. Um. And so anyway, we, you know, this discussion obviously uh, ballooned a little bit because there's passionate people, you know, talking about ideas here. And what kind of upsets me, Nate, and you're you're really good at this. We've we've taken a deep dive in, into all of this. I've had the same thought process of that. Well, it's not fair that some people get an advantage over others. And I thought that for a very long time. But then I thought, what's giving that person an advantage is it because that person um, is buying some sort of advantage or they're getting an unfair advantage by way of some like moral decree or are they getting an advantage because the because someone else is getting an unfair disadvantage? Yeah. And after thinking about this for a long time and running through the numbers and all of that, the biggest thing is, is that everyone else is at a disadvantage because when corporations like Amazon come in and have the, let's say the, the market value that they do to be able to produce jobs and spend a lot of money in a certain economy, especially locally, and also generate that revenue, then they also almost all the time, they States compete, uh, localities compete for them to build their location there. And a lot of times they'll do that by saying, hey, if you build your facilities here, we won't make you pay property tax for 10 years. And so Amazon's like, well, we're going to have a giant ass facility and it's probably going to cost us like a million or two a year, maybe more. I don't know what the property taxes would be on that on that big facility. And so for 10 years, well, wow, we're going to save 20 million dollars over 10 years. It's probably pretty good that we don't have to pay property taxes for 10 years. And so now a lot of people will say, well, Amazon has an unfair advantage now or whatever, Walmart, Ikea, any of your big people. But the underlying problem, if we get to the bottom of this, like the very bottom is the fact that all the other businesses have a disadvantage because they're not getting the tax breaks. Um, and the, and the solution is not to make sure that we tax Amazon the same rate, but that we bring everyone's rate down because we know that lowering taxes incentivizes the economy. That's why Tennessee has tax-free weekends. Yeah, <laughs> It's amazing <laughs> that the government does that. It is really funny that they do that. Yeah. The, where, where it gets frustrating with me, with people in the liberty movement, is this idea. So you say corporate welfare, people don't like it. And something should be done about it. Well, even inside the libertarian movement, some people might suggest that to make this more fair, you need to make sure that that corporation is paying the same high tax rate that everyone else is paying. And then it will be fair. Well, the problem is that muddies the message because as a libertarian or a liberty-minded person, you're not for taxation. You know, you might even say taxation is theft. That's a saying that goes around. I've seen it on a hat. So if that's a core, if that's a core principle belief you have that taxation is wrong and that you shouldn't do it, then you cannot say that to fix a situation, you need to make sure that someone else is paying higher taxes. That does not solve the situation. So what you basically end up having here when you when you talk about the corporate welfare, which by the way, there's a difference in Stroking a check to someone, just giving them money, or having them pay a lower tax rate. 
And a lot of times that just that's a one more statistic that gets manipulated. They gave X company fifty million dollars this year. Okay, well, did they actually give them fifty million dollars, or did they pay a lower tax rate that was the equivalent to what would have been fifty million dollars? Those are two very different things to me. So what you end up having here is I like to look at it as there's someone going around stealing from people because that's taxation is theft. So that's, that's where my principle is. So there's someone going around stealing from people. They're going to each one of the houses in your neighborhood and they just go around all the time and they steal a thousand bucks a month from each one of your neighbors. They just go, go around and do that. Well, at some point in time, one of your neighbors gets enough power, or let's just say someone new is going to move into the neighborhood. They move in and they say, well, I'm not going to move into this neighborhood unless you only steal, if you only steal 500 from me, then I'll move into the neighborhood. And that's what I'll do. So now everyone else is getting $1,000 stolen from them. And this new person that moves in, they said, well, I'm not going to move in there unless you're only stealing 500. And they move in. So what's happening in the liberty movement is everyone's looking at this person who made that $500 deal and saying that they're wrong and that there's something wrong with this. You're muddying up the message because that's not what's wrong. Someone having the ability to pay lower taxes is not what's wrong. What's wrong is all of the other people having that amount stolen from them. And that's where you you just completely kill the entire principle and the message behind libertarianism and and your liberty-minded ideology because you're arguing that to make things more fair, you need to steal the same amount of money from other people. And if you look at it as, we actually did an episode called Taxation is a Prison. That's a, that was one of the, if you want to go back, mm-hmm. uh, taxation is a prison, is it unfair to buy your way out? So if we're all inside of this prison together that we shouldn't be in, that it's wrong, it's immoral that we've been put in it, and someone pays off one of the guards and gets to run out of the prison, Who's wrong in that scenario? Well, you're all deciding that the guy who was able to pay his way out and get out is somehow in the wrong. When it's actually the prison guards and and the warden <laughs> that are the people that are in the wrong. Because you're in the Still, prison, you're in the prison unfairly. You're pointing at the person who somehow made it out and saying that they're wrong, and it completely kills your message. It right. kills the principle that you're arguing for. I want to walk through what Justin Amash went on a Twitter thread about a year ago. Um, so he goes through this hypothetical scenario, and, and I want you to break this down because we, we did this a little bit earlier, and they're already in the first tweet there's something wrong. So I can get, if, if you read this, I totally understand how you follow this logic. I used to be that way. I totally get it because it does seem really unfair. It's But <clears throat> before we get into that, I just want to say, uh, newsflash, life isn't fair. <laughs> It's not. Nothing about it is fair. No. You know, some people get cancer. Some people don't. Some people die in car crashes. Some people don't. Some people are tall. Some people are short. Some people are fat. Some people are fit. Some people can eat whatever they want. Some people can't eat whatever they want. Some people have all their income uh, from capital gains instead of uh, actual income, so they pay a lower tax rate than other people. Some people are the president of the United States. Some people aren't. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are rich. Some people are poor. Whatever. Life just isn't fair. It's not at all. We don't even live in the same houses. You know, I'm tall. Nate, you're tall. I'm taller. I'm actually a pretty, yeah. like, I'm taller than average, mm-hmm. but I have felt short my entire life, thanks to you. Because we've been friends. Right? For a really long time, yeah. and your brother and your other brother, they're all freaking 6'8", your brother's 7 foot, and I've been riding around with you folks my entire life. Driving us around, really. Just driving around. <laughs> I literally got a bigger car one time because I was friends with them and they couldn't fit in my or my first car. It's true. I was like, well, I need to get a I need to get a four door car because Charlie and Trey and Brett have a hard time getting in and out mm-hmm. of my my Mustang. So I was doing that. But I mean, that's not fair to me. I'm six two and I've felt short my entire life. You've always made me feel like the bigger person, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't hard. <laughs> All right, so let's walk through this and Right, right in the first one, we're just going to take this apart. So this is a, you know, a nice hypothetical that Justin Amash goes through and you can, <clears throat> this is also, I know I'm deviating again here, <laughs> but I want people to know that we just posted 
last week about how much we support Justin Amash and how much a win for Liberty that he actually is. Yeah. And this is us being principled and disagreeing with somebody that we agree with on almost everything else. So this is possible. We're literally going to spend time taking apart Justin Amash's ridiculously stupid tweets. Exactly. And we literally three, four episodes ago did a whole episode on how great he was. Yes. So he says, he starts, imagine a state with only three people, Al, Bo, and Cy. Seem like nice people. Each person pays $4 in annual taxes. Well, wouldn't that be nice? So the government collects $12 total. The government spends all that money providing services. It distributes services equally among its residents and is required to balance its budget. So, Nate, okay, what's uh, read, happening in that first? Start reading again. Okay, imagine a state with only three people, Al, Bo, and Cy. Each person pays $4 in annual taxes. Well, so- oh, hold on. So in this state... We've enacted a flat tax, not the progressive tax that we have right it's, now. It looks like a flat tax. Okay. Everybody doesn't matter what you do. Okay. Albo and Cy, either they all work the same job or different jobs. I don't know. Okay. But each person pays $4 in annual tax. So we're already outside of a usable analogy for our current situation. Mm-hmm. Okay. The government collects $12 total. The government spends all that money providing services. It doesn't even take any for itself. That's crazy. It's weird. How does the government get paid? Uh, it distributes services equally among its residents. Okay. Um, so now we're, we're just in a complete utopia fairy, fairy tale land <laughs> exactly. right now because they're can distributing you, money equally. Can you tell me what government service is distributed equally? Plus, what would be the point in taking equal money from everyone and then distributing it equally back to everyone? <laughs> right. That makes no sense whatsoever. Well, maybe uh, the roads, Nate. The roads. Al, Bo, and Cy all needed roads, and they couldn't build them themselves. Okay, freaking roads. So they had to take $4 from each of them. (laughs) What if Al doesn't have a car? And Bo and Cy, they get to drive on the road, but Al has to walk on it. It's not as fun for him. He's getting screwed. And he might get hit by Bo or Cy. Yeah. Anyway, uh, then it's required to balance its budget. Okay. So what fantasy world have we created? So now we're in a world... In a, In a world, world. <laughs> where, where we have a flat tax, and then that money is then redistributed equally amongst the entire population mm-hmm. from a government that has a balanced budget. Yeah. And we're going to take this as an analogy that works for right now. Yes. Okay. So this is to prove, by the way, that, a ta- that tax breaks, corporate tax breaks, is the same thing as welfare. It's economically equivalent to a subsidy, and it costs other taxpayers money. This is this is the line of thinking here, and I'm going to show. We're going to show you here that it's not even close to economically equ- equivalent as just ha- giving somebody a check. Completely way different things. All right, so he's on to say. Suppose the government wants to attract a new person, D or die. I don't know. It's Di. To the state, the government is excited about all the business Dai will bring, so it promises Dai that her annual taxes will only be $1 if she makes the move. Dai is thrilled and accepts the offer. So, Can I get a $1 tax? I would love that. That'd be pretty nice. So they're going to attract someone. They're going to pay uh, 25% of what everyone else is paying like, just hey, to keep track. Three people's an odd number. We need four. Okay, now we have four. Right. No one else wanted to move there, though. But, just just well, die. Actually, it doesn't say that. I'm just assuming. No one else wanted to be in this state. <laughs> yeah. So they're trying to attract a fourth person. Yeah, this is Illinois. <laughs> now the state has four people. The government collects $13 in taxes to be spent on services. But because government services are distributed equally, somehow... <laughs> Albo and Cy now receive only $3.25 each in services, even though they still pay $4 in taxes. So automatically, those guys just lost $0.75 cents each because they didn't, they didn't get their services that they paid for equally. And now since, since they're being distributed equally, they are now losing money. Right. So what if, just to take this apart right here, what if, uh, what, was, what was her name, Die? Yeah, her name's Di or D. Okay. I don't know. Well, assuming that um, 
we're talking about businesses here that are going to have employees, things like that. Uh, what if die moving into that moving into that state causes four more people to move into the state to at work that point for in time die. to work for die? Mm-hmm. And now she's paying the one. The other ones are paying four. We got thirteen, and then we have another sixteen from the four people that die gets to move into the state for the job. So now we have 16 and 13. Now let me get my calculator out. That's 29 to now be distributed between how many? Eight people? Yeah. And so that is going to come out to something like three point something. I don't know. 3.5, 3.25, something like that. 3.625. I was way off. So what were they getting in the beginning? $4. They were getting $4? Well, they were paying 4 and then they were receiving 4 in services somehow. Okay. Without the government ever taking a cut. The government doesn't take a cut. Not in this, not in this scenario. And they are doing it uh they're doing it all, you know, very efficiently. That must be. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is where the, this must be like an angel society. I think so. What they're missing here is what happens when First off, I'm I'm disappointed in Justin Amash for acting like somehow we're all working off of a fixed pie of money, because when the business comes into town, it's twenty five percent tax or whatever it's going to be. It's a it's it's two point five percent tax to everyone else's ten percent tax. Might be way more money than what someone else was going to be bringing in if that business was not going to be there. So you're First off, operating under the assumption that the company is going to come there whether you get the full tax rate or you get the partial tax rate. The, the point is they're, they're not going to come there if you don't do that. And now you've grown the entire pie of money uh, for everyone to be taking equally from, I guess. And the pie grows even more than that because imagine like what if D's company needs deliveries? So yeah. now you have people delivering to her business. Well, there's extra people in your town for a little a little while, extra people in your state for a little while. What if they get hungry? Yeah. They might go to Al's restaurant. They might go to Al's restaurant. Yeah. And what if they what if they bring, you know, their wife along with them just for a nice dinner at Al's restaurant because it was really delicious. And so now every weekend they want to come eat at Al's restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. There's just what if l- they have to stop and get gas in your state? <laughs> you know? If this is Illinois, you got a giant to, you know, gas tax. That's yeah. a lot of money. It's real big. You know, here we've got Nissan in Nashville, and uh, I know they got some deals to move into town. And what we're failing to realize is that whatever money we're getting from them would not have been there if we wouldn't have given them whatever deal it was that they got. You're assuming that they would have moved here anyway, right? So when you're in, when you're that big of a business, you can become competitive for your tax rate. That's actually kind of like capitalism in itself. I was telling Charlie this earlier. I know it's a, it's not the preferred kind of capitalism, but the bigger business you are, the better rate you can demand because that's just the kind of clout that you bring along. And having Nissan here might have been better than whatever other business was going to move into their place because they've got thousands and thousands of jobs, tons of income coming in right mm-hmm. there. So we can't operate under the assumption that they were going to be there anyway. The other part that they don't like is acting like somehow they're getting, since they got that deal, since Nissan got that deal, it's hurt their competition that was here in Nashville to begin with. Because I don't think there was another competing car company that was going to be going inside of the same property tax area that was going to be competing with Nissan. But now that Nissan got that deal, they're not going to be able to compete with them. You know, that doesn't exactly match up. Right. They use the example of Ikea in Memphis and all the mom and pop furniture shops that I guess closed when Ikea moved there. Mm-hmm. Well, where are all the mom and pop furniture shops in Nashville? Because we don't have an Ikea. I mean, I couldn't tell you. This is a really big. This is a really big city. There's a lot of people here, and I would still have to go to what is that? Like, there's at home. There's is it the American home? The big lots. Yeah, all the American signature. All those places that sell Ashley, furniture. Ashley furniture. Ashley furniture. Yeah. Stuff like that. I'm not going to whatever 
mom and pop shop and there's no Ikea here. So you're assuming that that the only reason those mom and pop shops went out of business in Memphis was because Ikea moved in, meaning that if Ikea would have paid the same tax rate, then there's no way they could have been able to undercut those mom and pop shops. No mm-hmm. way. There's no, That's the only reason the mom and pop shops are more expensive because Ikea got a lower tax rate. That's a, it's just a really, it's a really biased assumption that's disappointing. It's a disappointing to get from liberty minded folks, actually. Justin Amash goes on. Let's, let's keep taking this apart. Suppose the government attempts to maintain government services at the level provided prior to D's arrival, i.e. $4 per person in services. Since the state now has four people, the government will need to collect $16 in taxes. It currently only collects 13 D's annual taxes are fixed at $1, so the additional $3 will have to come from Al, Bo, and Cy. Consequently, Al, Bo, and Cy will now have to pay $5 per person in taxes to receive $4 per person in services, thanks to the government's special break for D. Even if the government convinces D to bear some of the additional tax burden of funds another way to raise revenue, if any portion of the $3 comes from Albo or Psy, they will pay more in taxes than they receive in services thanks to the government's special break for D. Meanwhile, this is kind of going along, so I'm going to read all this. We'll take it apart. Meanwhile, D is living large. She is paying only $1 in annual taxes while receiving 3 to $4 in government services. The difference is a welfare subsidy to her, no less than if the government forced Al inside to write her a check or hand her some cash. Wow. Really, really crazy, crazy assumption in there is that when when uh, when D moved into town, or die, D, is that what it is? It's D-I, so D or die. We'll just say D. Yeah. When D moved into town, they were they were what they were taking in twelve dollars and they were uh, putting back out twelve dollars in mm-hmm. services of some equal, kind. Equal I guess. services. So why, when D moved into town, did they have to start giving out sixteen dollars in services? Why did they have to? Right. I mean, they they should have still been giving out the same twelve dollar the same twelve dollars in services. When D moved into town, because D, business owner, top one percenter, not exactly receiving a whole bunch of government services all the time. Right. What government services would she need? Like, what more services did you need to provide because that person moved into town? You're assuming that the government budget has to go up with every single person that moves in. That's a really stupid assumption. I mean, it, Am I am I wrong here? The government no. budget just has to go up because someone else moved into town. I no, I absolutely agree. Why with would that. it not remain the same? And then why would that dollar that D's paying not just get separated out to those three people and they're all making more money now? Well, and I, I see right. where more he's, services. He's following the logic, and I, I can see where that's going because you would think, but the, we've already we've already described the problem is that there's no such thing as equal government services. Number one. Number two, D probably wouldn't even qualify for some of the services. She'd have to fill out an application and probably get denied. Yeah. You know, because she's not getting an EBT card. No. And she owns a business. No. So she's not getting that. I don't know if Al Bowen's, I don't know him. Assuming if they're talking about roads, bridges, schools, stuff like that, those are still there whether D comes there or not from that original $12. They did not need to build... Uh, you know, a Another bunch of new lane. They didn't have to build a new a new lane because of that. Right. Unless they all three had their own lane. Maybe they all have their own lane. Yeah. I don't know. Like if we could build road for four dollars, I'd pay it out of pocket. Yeah. I'd I'd build all the roads. His logic is really disappointing in this. Yeah. Because it's a terrible analogy. The the problem here is where he says it's no less than if the government forced Albo inside to write her a check or hand her some cash. That's just it's absolutely absurd to think that government services can equal any type of actual monetary value for the most part. I mean, think about what what does the government provide that actually saves you money? What if about the roads and bridges, Charlie? Well, you're not, though, because you're in this scenario, you're giving the government $4, and then they give that $4 back to you. Yeah. 
That's all that's happening. Which, first off, what would happen is you would give them $4 and they would give $2 back to you. Right. Because they administrative costs. Yeah. And inefficiency. Right. So that's just a... It's not the it's not the same. It's not economically the same. It doesn't work out economically the same. There's also, as we mentioned, all kinds of other factors that can that could happen that are it's really hard to quantify. You know, like how many jobs are is D bringing with her? Like how many people are stopping in the in the state to get to purchase other things or whatever else. So he goes on to say, uh, the fact that that D is receiving services paid for by others rather than dollar bills from others does not make the transfer any less a welfare subsidy. What about the claim that D's arrival will boost the economy and more than pay for her special tax break? Many of the proponents of this view seem unaware that they are advocating central planning, a main tenant of socialism. To see this, let's return to the illustration. Advocates of D's special tax break are saying that all else equal, they would rather give D a very large break then give everyone a modest tax break. In other words, they believe that government central planners can outperform the market by shifting money to D. If your reply is give others a tax break too, then you've missed the point. You can't give others a tax break and hold all else equal. The budget must be balanced. Government spending would have to be cut. The relevant analysis is how best to tax at a given level of spending. So here again, he's forgetting the fact that that you assume D's going to move in no matter what. Yeah. You assume that Amazon is going to come to Nashville no matter what, and you're going to get that tax revenue for everybody. That's the assumption. Can you tell me, Nate, what is 10% of zero? Zero. Yes. Yeah. It's still zero. Still zero. So if Nissan never moved here to Smyrna, just outside of Nashville, uh, if they would have went to, let's say, in Iowa or somewhere else, then whatever their revenue is, let's say we're getting you know 10% of a billion, um, that's way better than 20% of nothing. You'd actually have to be advocating for central planning for this entire analogy to work because in your analogy... D doesn't have anywhere else to go, meaning that everywhere would have to have the same tax rate and not be able to give any different tax incentives. But that's not the case because we have 50 separate states. Just ask people who live in Southern Illinois what it's like to live next to places that have lower taxes. It's not good. All the businesses are leaving. So this assumption that he's creating has to assume that there is a central planned tax from the top not allowing states to give any different kinds of tax rates themselves. Say the tax rate in Illinois is 15% and the tax rate in Kentucky is 10%, and they apply that evenly. They apply that evenly to everyone. Okay, so the businesses are going to want to go to Kentucky instead of Illinois. You'd have to have central planning from the top to make sure that this analogy doesn't take place because you would have to enforce every state having the same tax rate all the time. So you're... It's still messed up. And then you're also working from the assumption that the government owns all money, that its budget has to increase with more people, that it has to tax people, that it has to take money from people without, without their permission, and then it is somehow going to give out an equal value of the money that it takes from the people evenly to, to all of those people, and that the people at the top that are moving in are going to receive the same money and tax that are going to receive the same value from the government that the people at the bottom are receiving, which is clearly not the case in our current system whatsoever. If Justin Amash wants to uh, call for a flat tax to, to be implemented across the entire country to not allow states to have different tax rates so they can compete with each other. That way the people in Southern Illinois don't have to compete with Indiana, Kentucky, and Missouri all the time. They all have to have the same tax rate. Uh, if he wants to call for that, if he wants to call for all tax money to be distributed evenly amongst the population, regardless of what their income is or what their occupation is or anything like that, then once we get to that system, then we could talk about how it's really unfair for a business to get a lower tax rate than another business. And actually, if you get to that system... We're back to the overall arching theme of why don't we just not take people's money? Yeah. 
because <laughs> because the, here's the whole thing. It's not about being pro business versus pro markets. Like f- a true free market economy, you're not taking productive money out of the system to use it for unproductive purposes. That's what taxation is. You're taking money that's in the market, that's working, that's growing, and you're extracting through taxation that money out of productive use into wasteful use, which is what government does with it because there's the government doesn't create any type of wealth. All of their services, and then we're assuming that everyone in the town needs all of the services that the government decided to to distribute equally, right? Yeah. Like, what if you know everybody gets five eggs per week, and that's their that's their distribution? But Al's got a chicken, so he doesn't need the government to give any eggs. You're assuming that if they build a park, that all the people there are going to receive the same monetary value from that park existing. Right. What if I hate the park? Yeah. I hate birds. <laughs> I don't want them. <laughs> I don't want them. Or what? You know what if. Even if it is roads, what if Al doesn't like to drive? What if Dee's got a helicopter? Right. She she doesn't need the roads. Yeah. It's, this So this is the problem with creating the utopia. He goes on to say, uh, he goes on to say quite a bit, rerunning this illustration. Um, he said, uh, if your reply is to give others a tax break too, then you've missed the point. No, we haven't missed the point. The, the whole idea is taxation is theft. Yeah. Like we shouldn't be taking money from anyone. If we want this to be as completely fair and as equal as possible is stop taking money from people. Stop stealing. That's the overarching theme of this whole thing. To me, you can't hold the principle that taxation is theft and then also argue that it would be more fair for someone to pay a higher tax too. Right. Like how can that fit into your worldview? The solution is never let's steal more so everyone's stolen from equally. The fight, if you're a liberty-minded individual, when you see Amazon pay 5% taxes, the fight is to get that tax rate for all of the other businesses. The fight is not to make sure that Amazon pays more in taxes. You're completely going against your principles at that point in time. You're taking, you're the, you're helping the guard go out and get the prisoner that they let out and bringing them back into the prison that they're not supposed to be in. You know, you're helping, you know, your neighbor that moved in that got less money stolen from them. You're, you're going and stealing money from them and saying that, okay, now it's fair. It's, you know, it's not fair that all Jews didn't make it into the Nazi prison camps. It's not fair. We should have told, they should have told the guards that some of them, that some <laughs> yeah, of them hid. That would have been fair. Then, right. Yeah. Like, that, so. That was the problem in the Holocaust was that some Jews didn't go to the prison camps. Right. The, what, well, this is the people advocate for this. They're saying that the only way to make it fair yeah. is not release all the prisoners because it's morally reprehensible to imprison people. Yeah. The solution would be to make sure everyone gets in the prison. Yeah, that's the solution. Now yeah. we fixed it. Right. Problem, now everyone's equal. Problem solved. Everyone's equal. We didn't. It, it's a, It's miserable. But we're equal, and that's fair now. It just goes down to what your principle is, because if you're like a liberal and you're listening to this, you obviously don't agree at all because you don't come to the argument from the standpoint that taxation is theft or that taxation is overall a bad thing and should be kept as low as it possibly can. Uh, so you're not, you're just not there with us right now. You're probably not even listening. So I'll stop talking to you. But, <laughs> the, but if you're a liberty-minded person, and you're listening to this, and your ideology is that taxation is a bad thing, then you just have to ask yourself how making sure that someone else pays a higher tax too makes you feel better at the end of the day. Right. That's a that's a very, very, very good question there. Justin Amos actually kind of agrees with us right here in the middle. I don't know if he knows that he did this. Thanks, Justin. He said, in short, keeping more money in the hands of everyone produces better economic outcomes than giving a special advantage to one person. Obviously, that's what we're yeah. saying. Stop taking money from everybody. This so sh- so your solution is to make sure that that person gets the money taken from them too. Right. <laughs> that doesn't make any but sense. But your ideology is that we need to keep the most hands in keep, the hands of the Keep people. the most money in, in the hands of everyone. Yeah. yeah. So, and then he goes on to say that uh, advocates of D's special tax break talk about the economic growth and jobs it will create. They commit the broken window fallacy. So if you don't know what the broken window fallacy is, 
This is from uh, Economics in One Lesson by, uh, gosh dang it. Hen- Henry Hazlitt. Henry Hazlitt, that's right. Yep. Uh, so this is, a, this is another wrong analogy because it's not it, the broken window fallacy. The broken window fallacy was uh, Frederic Bastiat. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but no, but no, that, that it's in the book, Economics in One Lesson. Yeah, he, no, goes he goes through that. He goes through it right. in the beginning of the book. And, and but but what the broken window fallacy is is that there was a I believe if I'm getting this correctly it's been a couple of years since I read this book but a boy threw a rock through the baker's window yeah and the baker was all mad about it it's like hey you broke my window somebody's got to pay for that and then somebody's like well well you have a broken window now now you can hire somebody and pay somebody to fix that window now so, someone's gonna get paid to fix the window so you created a job yeah. And so the that fallacy is like, oh well, if we just destroy everything all the time, well then everybody would be working. The best economic stimulus for your city would be to burn the entire place down. Right. So you could rebuild, just then constantly would, be look rebuilding. Look at all the jobs that you would have after that. Right. So that's the fallacy, but that's not even close to the same thing. That's not that this broken window fallacy has nothing to do with giving someone an incentive to move to your state to make sure oh. that. Because the government's the one that's throwing the rock through the window. Right. Like, that's right. You got it flipped around the other way here. Exactly. So, if you didn't know what the broken window fallacy was, first of all, you can read, uh, you know, Bastiat or you can read Economics in One Lesson. And tell yeah, it, sorry. I just had to. Uh, we said Hazlitt and I knew that it was before Hazlitt, but you're right. It was, it's part, in the, of, yeah. it was part of that mm-hmm. book. Yeah. And like I said, it's been a few years since I've read it. I need to probably read it again, but it's in there. So, he does say at the end here, the illustration is not, to me- is not meant to suggest that humans can design a perfect tax code, but when the government intentionally gives a special tax break to one entity, not only is the government undermining the rule of law, it is also, but it is also knowingly harming the economy. Bottom line, targeted tax breaks are bad. The government's undermining and the rule said, of law by stealing from people in the first place. Yes. How is not... <laughs> How is not stealing from one person and then stealing from everyone else undermining the rule of law is that you didn't steal from the one person? Right. It should have said, bottom line, taxes are bad, not targeted tax breaks are bad. Yeah. And then at the end, he said, happy birthday, uh, Frederick Bastiat. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I guess he just could have read through the end of that. Right. Right. (laughs) But anyway, I hope you guys, you know, can follow along with us on that logic I, you probably came from the same place I did before, where I used to agree with most liberty people thinking that it's unfair. Yeah. Well, it but, is unfair, but it's yes. not unfair on the part of the person who received the benefit, which the benefit of not being stolen from. Right. It's not unfair on their part. It's unfair that all the other people were stolen from. Attack yes. the right problem. Yes. Get to the bottom of what's actually causing this issue. That's yeah. always the thing. Nate, did you tell people to, sub- to subscribe? I believe I mentioned that study that we did um, yeah. at the beginning of the episode, that if you like this episode, you're you're highly likely to like the other episodes, which means you should subscribe. You know, there's another study done that 100% of people who leave a rating and review just feel better that day. They do. Yeah. They do. And actually, 100% of the time, I feel good about that too. Right. So you're just creating new happiness at yes. that time. This is You want to get happy? Yeah. That's you what, you want to be happy? That's what you do. You want to get happiness? You leave a review <laughs> and a rating. Yeah. That's that's all you have to do. You tell your friends mm-hmm. about this show. Tell your uh your tell your liberty loving loving friends that that hate businesses yeah. <laughs> about this show. That's a scary thing, by the way. I've said this in that one episode I pointed to, but it seems like the only thing that everyone can agree on is hatred of businesses. <laughs> like <laughs> That's it. That's where why we can we, all come together. Why don't we hate the biggest crony business of them all, which is yeah. government? You've got a, you got a freaking mob boss that's going around taking money from people and you're mad at the ones they skipped. Right. Jeez, get on the right track here, people. And you're mad at the ones that have found a way to, to, which is capitalist in itself, by the way, that's free market. That you, is actually you grew yourself to that size so you could make the demand that you get a lower price on that theft, mm-hmm. and that's up to everyone else to also grow to that size 
because unless this, this is just some completely government subsidized built subsidized business from start to finish, they grew to that size somehow, probably paying taxes the whole time. And don't say, oh, it can't be done because Amazon started 15 years ago. Yeah, there's a uh, three thousand one of. They're almost the richest country in the world. There's almost 3,000 new company. millionaires today. Whenever it is you're listening to this, there were almost 3,000 new millionaires made today. So don't say, well, it's impossible for them to get ahead. No, right. It's not. Amazon just didn't start No. getting tax breaks. Not true. No. Not true. That's a, that's a SpaceX. That's a, that's what they did. Yep. Uh, if you disagree, <laughs> please email us, uh, charlie at goodmorninglibrity.us. Uh, send us a message on Facebook. Uh, we love the hate mail. Keep it coming. It's yeah. It's been bring, good. Bring the haters. Yeah. And we'll gladly, uh, like I said, maybe we'll have somebody that disagrees with us that can provide some valid points. We'll we'll put you on the show. We should have Hannah sometime. She's, yeah. She was on an episode a long time ago. She was. I'll see if she wants to come on and uh, we can have this discussion even. Yeah. We'll bring this up. Do it. Because this is one thing that we do disagree on. I'm pretty much everything else I, I agree with her on. Yeah. She's a good friend of Liberty. That's for sure. And guess what? You're not going to agree with everybody. That's just going to how it be. I don't see, I don't view her any differently, and she probably doesn't view me any differently. No. Hopefully, I you don't know? hate you because you do CrossFit, and I sit right. and I sit in a chair. <laughs> you know, it's just difference of opinions. Yeah, you know, right. Lord. All right, I think we've beat the the dead horse enough for this day. If you made it all the way to this point, send us an email. You just won a twenty five dollar gift card to Amazon. So <laughs> to Amazon. Yep. Tax-free. Yep. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good day. Good morning, Liberty.